you know, if you really let it, pregnancy can be a huge lesson in slowing down and, and being in the moment. It's almost like having a superpower. It's kind of cool, the sense of clarity because your senses are all engaged and, you know, you can just smell and hear and just feel the moment. And I feel like if you're worried about all that stuff all the time, you're, you're missing this pretty cool, pretty cool thing because you can't be quick, you know, you, you can't do things in a fast paced manner when you're nine months pregnant, you have to just be still. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of the Uncomplication Podcast. This episode is certainly near and dear to my heart. Today, we are interviewing my nine months pregnant wife, uh, talking about uncomplicating pregnancy. This is a two part episode. The first was recorded about a month before we had our new little baby. Uh, Part two is about uh, two weeks after we had the baby, but in both cases, we dig into the world of pregnancy, parenthood, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this uncomplicated look at pregnancy. Hello, my love. Hi. (laughs) So just to set the stage here... um, how many months or weeks pregnant are you? Um, I lost count of the weeks, which is kind of funny. For I think I'm 36 weeks, um, but I'm nine months pregnant, and we're due May 28th. And it's May 2nd. It's May 2nd. Yeah, so we are on the home stretch, and we thought it would be a good opportunity to talk to a real live pregnant woman. Because <laughs> there aren't many in this world. That's right. They're like <laughs> mythical creatures. Mythical creatures. Especially or, in this town. So just sort of setting setting the stage, I mean we haven't even really had this conversation which is which is cool, but I'm curious, did you always know that you would be a mother? Yeah. That's a that's a cool question. Yeah, he never knew that. Um, one of the reasons I thought I wanted to be a teacher like my whole life was because I knew teachers got summers off (laughs) and um, just kind of knowing that I'd always have kids, that just sounded like a smart profession. So even though my job's kind of steered into a different mindset, the mindset going into teaching was in preparation for my future children. So. Do you think that's just because you're a woman and that's part of it or where does that feeling come from? of wanting kids. Um, My mom and I, growing up, were very, very close. She had me when she was 20. um, So when we were really trying to identify ourselves as individuals, I really think my mom was identifying herself as a mother. And so in that really early, you know, adulthood stage, she, you know, she had me and we were inseparable and we kind of were that way until I left home. Like even through high school, my mom and I were really close and um, I was really close with her mom as well, my grandmother. And to think just those moms in my life, um, it was just never really a question of whether or not I be that, 
you know, and it never really crossed my mind that it was something I had to do. It was just always something I was going to do. So let's talk then about our decision to have kids, because it it already sounds like it never really was a decision in terms of having kids, but maybe just the timing and those Mm -hmm. types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think led into that thought process that made us have a kid when we did? So with our first, with our first kid, with Hux, um, I was 28 years old. There, I think there was some, you know, in, mental influence that I didn't want to be as young as my mom. Um, I feel like, I don't necessarily feel guilty, but I, I know that having me as young as she did um, kept her from... Um, a lot of a lot of experiences that she she may have wanted to have or you know um, figuring some things out it would have been nice if her and my dad maybe had some time to figure some things out um, so I, I knew that I kind of wanted to be in a place financially or you know you know uh, emotionally ready to have a kid um, but then there's always that that 30 fear. <laughs> When you hit, <laughs> that's something I think that's just natural. You know, women hit thirty, and and um, with my son, and also with this baby, like your body's telling you to do it, and um, you just have to listen to it. And I don't know if that's for all women, but I definitely had that, you know, experience where your body naturally wants this. To, to happen and maybe that's why women that can't have um, children uh, you know feel that loss is because that's what your body was made to do hmm. so it's interesting your body is sort of driving you forward are there any thoughts or fears that hold the body in check or hold you back before getting pregnant yeah I think women are really good about um, observing their surroundings. Like, do I have this in order? You know, like we're we're very protective of everything, and you know, like making sure everything's comfortable. Um, so I think if your environment isn't ready for that, um, you know. So you know. Um, not having a job, for instance, um, or, you know, just not, I don't know, I, th- I think we, like, mentally prepare our nests for pregnancy, whatever that nest may be. It may be your home and, you know, painting walls, or it just may be, like, that mental mindset that I'm not ready for this yet. Mm. I've talked to some really great people, young couples in the same sort of age that we were at, and I've heard a lot of reservations and even fears about bringing another child into this world because of the state of the world and climate change and all these things. Was that a part of your thought process? Uh, that's Yeah, I think that's part of that nesting piece, you know, just mentally. It's like, what is this world? going to be but I think being a teacher um, helps me with that optimism that 
you are born into the time you're born in and you don't know any better time but now uh, and when you look at these you know when you look at high school students they they're equipped for whatever challenge is ahead of us and I think that's kind of cool so you know our kids won't know any any different time than than now and so you know just let them let them do it and I think that's kind of our parenting motto too is just go with the flow you know you just kind of have to let them experience thing and you can kind of guide them and correct them as they they stumble and make these mistakes but you know you can't control what the future is going to hold just the same as you can't control what a kid is going to do or become. What is it like in the early stage knowing that there's now something living inside of you that you have to take care of? What goes through your head? Um, it definitely makes its presence known. Uh, morning sickness, even if you never throw up, is a very real thing. Um, so even though I'm nine months preg pregnant now and I'm really uncomfortable and whatever, it's worse earlier on. Um, just because that's when, you know, food starts to sound really bad, but if you don't eat, you get really sick and um, you're really tired. Your body's just like really gearing up for, for this, this little life and, um, and nobody can tell you're pregnant. So nobody like, you're trying to go about and do your job. Um, and I made the mistake of in this pregnancy, um, working, choreographing a musical and going to grad school, um, which, you know, I don't see the changes in myself either. So you don't, you kind of forget that that's happening and you just go on like you would normally go on. And I think that's really too bad because, you know, even though you can't see that the baby's being made or, you know, is inside of you, um, you should still respect that that is happening and other people should also respect that maybe you can't do 100% of what you used to. So I think your body tells you things and you should listen to them, but I don't think we're very good at that listening to our bodies. What's it like as a pregnant woman staying healthy and eating healthy and those types of things? Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty easy. Uh, you crave, you crave the good stuff. At least I did. Um, you know, just raw almonds and water. I mean, I'm such a fish, especially when I'm pregnant and then breastfeeding, like you're just, you constantly want to drink water. Um, and if I don't have my water bottle with me, you know, I have to turn the car around and I have to go try to get my water bottle, otherwise I'm not gonna make it through the day. But, you know, maybe that's just like any growing little, little plant, you gotta water it, so that's good. 
Um, it is reassuring when your doctor can tell you you um, can have lots of ice cream. Um, so that's very happy. Um, I never really... Well, this pregnancy, I was pregnant during Christmas, which uh, was kind of hard because I had a more of a sweet tooth this time around um, than last time. So cookies and mm -hmm. cake and sugar and stuff sounded a lot more appealing than it did the first time around. But you know, as far as knowing what's good for your body, you just kind of automatically know. Um, and again, everyone tells you all these things you can't eat, um, which is a little frustrating, but everything in moderation is kind of the second time around. It's like, you know what, I can have a little caffeine or I can have a sip of wine and it's not the end of the world. And so, you know, you just kind of lighten up a little bit the second time around. And it's also been kind of refreshing. When I see all the pregnancy magazines and baby stores and doctor's advice, my perception is that um, you are probably different than a lot of pregnant women in your outlook. I think that there is a lot that people worry about, that they're keeping tabs on everything, and they're, you know, there's all those pregnancy magazines with just things to fear. Mm -hmm. But... How do you think that plays out in women today during pregnancy? Well, I mean, the worst thing is that stuff carries over into parenting. So you already start with this mindset of all these things you need to do pre-baby, right, in order to make it the best person you possibly can make it then when the baby becomes a child and is growing up, that same, you know, expectation is put on these poor kids that from pregnancy on into, you know, adulthood, their parents are like, you need this, this, and this, and this, and this to be happy and, or, or to be acclimated in our society, right? And I think that's really too bad. Whereas... I don't know what it was. I, would, I dropped Huxley off at daycare um, this week. And there was this morning, and I had a lot to do, but, you know, but I was just very present, just walking from the dropping Huxley off to, the, to my car, and I was by myself. And, you know, if you really let it, pregnancy can be a huge lesson in slowing down and and being in the moment that if you're constantly like, oh, you know, I got to go to baby RS for this item because someone told me to, to get it or, you know, or I need to read up on this, <laughs> you know, magazine, you can, you aren't going to get that, that richness that comes with being pregnant and it's almost like having a superpower. It's kind of cool, the sense of clarity because your senses are all engaged and you know you can just smell and hear and just feel the moment. And I feel like if you're worried about all that stuff all the time, you're you're missing this pretty cool pretty cool thing because you can't be quick, you know. You you can't do things in a 
fast-paced manner when you're nine months pregnant. You have to just be still. And maybe a lot of people, even when they're forced to be still, don't know how to be still. And so they, they subscribe to all of those things. We were talking last night about people who schedule their C-sections <laughs> because it fits it's with their work schedule. And do you think that there's something magic that's being missed with this mentality of clockwork orange? Well, I mean, each to each person, their own, their own experience, because, you know, I, I was induced with my first pregnancy and I've, I hear a lot of negative, th negative things about that too, but that didn't lessen my experience any. Um, but again, like learning to listen to our bodies, um, is the best thing that pregnancy can, can give you. And, and it's, you know, it's very easy to do things conveniently, but all the decisions you make when you're pregnant, you're going to make the same ones when you're a parent, I think. So, you know, scheduling when I'm going to have this baby, I'm wondering what that kid's schedule will look like <laughs> um, as far as piano lessons and soccer practice and <laughs> baseball tryouts and, you know, will look like if that's kind of your mindset going into it. So while you're growing this baby inside of you, how much do you feel like it's your responsibility versus how much do you just trust that your body knows what to do? Responsibility, I think, everyone. I guess the perception I have in this culture of pharmaceuticals and scheduled pregnancies is that there isn't a lot of trust and that our body's gonna do it right. And I think you've, you in particular, have a very trusting um, sense that you're doing it well, even if you're not trying to do it well. Well, and I've been very fortunate to have um, nice pregnancies like you know a lot of women have complications my doctor was telling me about this woman who had her have she had to have her appendix out while she was pregnant I mean weird circumstances can just happen but um, like I said there's this power that it, it's like a give and take yeah I'm holding this baby but you know, you also are, there's times in your pregnancy when you feel kind of superhero-esque. And so that the fact that the baby is, is giving you that, um, I don't know if it's like this hormone or something, but, you know, there are moments when you feel really strong and confident. Um, and, like, how can you not trust that like that baby is like giving you kind of this this cool little glow aura of, and you can just get things done and you can see things clearly like at work right now 
you know, everyone's saying I'm nesting, which, you know, I always kind of took in, oh, I'm cleaning my house and I'm getting the nursery ready, which is not the case this time around. What I'm net, how I'm nesting is I'm getting everything done at work. And I see like, I see the papers that I need to, to have. If, if I was to go into labor tomorrow, like I'm nested and prepared for someone to take over for me. Um, and if I wasn't pregnant, I'd be like this hot mess of end of the school year, like ah, stress. Mm. But yeah, I feel like this real sense of clarity, um, which is cool. So in the like middle pregnancy to late pregnancy, how, how do you, or how does your view of the world change and how does the world's view of you change? Um, I'm really sick and tired of people telling me any day now because <laughs> I look really big um, but I still have a month to go and when you have a month to go that seems like a long time of waiting and every day people are like look at my belly and you're like oh my god you're you know <laughs> you're about to pop which is also a gross metaphor. <laughs> like, what? Pop? Um, so that's annoying. <laughs> and then, you know, everyone wants to know these things. Like, what's the gender? And you just have to repeat the questions over and over. Like, <laughs> it just gets really exhausting. I don't know what the gender is. Oh, you're doing it like we did it. You know? It's like, Yay! <laughs> do, you, um, do you think our culture treats pregnant women as like a different type of citizen? In this town, I'm sure people are like, there goes another one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's funny because I remember just getting so accustomed to people holding the door open for me that when I wasn't pregnant anymore, I like forgot that I had to open the door for myself. <laughs> and there'd be times when I was like, I got this, okay. Sorry, I stood there for a couple minutes. <laughs> I was waiting for you to open the door. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm not pregnant anymore. What do you think about things like maternity leave? I mean, are pregnant women supported? No, absolutely not. Um, my... My hairstylist is also pregnant, which is interesting. And, um, you know, that's a different job. And I kind of put, try and put myself in her shoes. But she gets four weeks if she wants to keep her rent for her little spot where she does hair. And I get six weeks um, leave. But your body... And your mental capacity to just jump right back into work, six weeks is n nothing to really, you know, and we, we talk about all these issues we have with our children and our adolescents. And yeah, let's take them away from our par their parents at six weeks, you know, as a newborn baby when studies show that the longer you are with your parents, the more accustomed you are to 
to be successful in society. And so this, you know, paradoxical world that we've created of just the overworked parent, if we could just start earlier in our mindset, we we wouldn't have to do so much cleaning up of our kids later on. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a respect to the woman. It's just a respect to the family as a whole. And really, it really upsets me that we are so blind to some pretty easy solutions to help our kids. So, you know, that there's tons of articles about, you know, the happiest places to live in the world in the United States isn't even close to being one of them. Um, and the, a lot of countries who, who are happy, not that this equates to anything, but have year-long maternity leaves and paternity leaves. Like, the dad gets time to, to readjust with his new family, too. And giving people space to be who they are is so important because we we aren't just our jobs but no one respects that and, and as a young or you know just as a mother in general you're basically confronted with the option of give your child to daycare after four weeks or you know leave the workforce be a stay-at-home mom and what do you think about that decision is it fair is it um, I just don't think it's fair. It's just not balanced. It's just so extreme. Like, you can't be one thing or the other. You, you have to, you know, you have to make that decision. And so I really think there is a way that someone could have best of both worlds, but I don't know how, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how to get there yet. Become a teacher because then you have summers off, right? Mm-hmm. We come back full circle. <laughs> but then you're dealing with all the kids that you're also playing cleanup. Yeah, I'm the cleanup, cleanup crew. Um, what what is it like to drop your kid off at at daycare? You what? can answer this. Too. I know, but I want to hear. I mean, how does it make you feel? Um, in the beginning. When we first dropped Hux off at daycare, it was like a piece of my soul was being ripped out of my chest, like every single time I drop him off. Um, And then trying to expect me to do my job after, you know, every day my heart gets broken a little bit more each time. Um, I would call you just crying, and then five minutes later I'd have to teach a class. Um, so it's terrible, but, um, now that he can articulate what's going on, um, and when he says, you know, walking up the path, he's like, I love Izzy's house. I mean, there's comfort in that. There, there are these moments that I'm like, I'm not the world's worst parent, you know, he's gotten good things out of this, he, he, I think he's really good around people, 
Um, so again, whatever decision we made is going to make him who he is. And when you just kind of mold him as you, as you go. And that was just the part of what we had to do is drop him off at daycare. And, and it's allowed me to be a little bit stronger about him too. Um, as much as I hate it, you know, you, when you harden your heart like that, you know, that you're capable of, of facing other things that your child might come up against, which we did that with the sleep book too, you know, that we sleep trained our kid, whatever that means. Um, and there, there was an excerpt in the book that I just never forget. And you let them cry, cry through the sleepiness. And you sit there and you're holding, the, you know, your husband's hand. And you're like, oh, my God, we're the worst parents ever. And we keep on reading this chapter in the book over and over again. And what it said was, um, you are also training yourself to be more patient with obstacles and not to get so stressed out. Um, over things that your kids might face. And I think that was, with daycare too, like that's just kind of an important lesson is your kids are going to live. And as scary as that is, you have to let them. Hmm. So tying into that, there are plenty of things that any parent could point to as examples of maybe not the best parenting or there's always a way that it could be better the system could be structured better for parents those types of things how do you cope with um, you know knowing that you're not going to be perfect read your husband's uncomplication podcast <laughs> you don't have a husband like that <laughs> uh... Um, I think you need to find a community that you can agree on, uh, you know, that one of the biggest assets and one of the biggest um, challenges are friends. Uh, and, you know, when you're com constantly comparing yourself to what your, your bestie's doing or what the other moms at daycare are doing, that... Um, that's really hard and um, you can feel really disappointed in yourself but I've noticed if you open the lines of communication to other parents and just kind of get to know them they're having the same the exact same struggles you are even though they might look cool and confident on the outside they're really just like tossing and turning and questioning every move on the inside so building that community um, I think is really important and not being afraid to to talk to to one another um, you know you can get such a flash judgment on you know your first view of this family and how perfect they are but really if you just kind of if you just make those connections um, you can feel like okay you know that didn't work so well for you but here's what I did and I mean, just let your kids kind of roam and drink some beers together, and all will be all will be okay. But 
I think we need to stop judging one another. You know, when you see that mom at the park and she's on her cell phone, you know, maybe she just needed a little break. Um, you know, we're just, we have such this judgmental, like, I'm going to be the perfect parent. And when you're around a community with so many parents, you know, it's hard not to put so much pressure on yourself. But I think if you just get to know people as people, they're going through the same thing you're going through. So, like we talked about, I think that this is going to be a two-part episode where we're going to talk now, and then we'll probably talk... When we're sleep-deprived. When we're sleep-deprived and going <laughs> late crazy. Late at night. Late at night. <laughs> and we'll see what happens there. But for that reason, I kind of want to shift now into this present moment. And, you know, you have a baby in your belly that's almost ready to come into this world, and... What is that like? Well, I mean, how do you feel right now knowing that you have our future son or daughter? Gassy. Just kidding. <laughs> My wife, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... But I mean, what, what's going through your mind? I know that you've had a couple moments of just like realizing that this is coming. Knowing what labor is like. I don't know if it's better to not know or if it's better to know. Um, there is some anxiety about, you know, will I be able to do this as seamlessly as I did it the first time? Um, you know, like, yeah, am I, am I strong enough to do this again? Because I know what the first time was like now and... Um, everyone says that it goes faster the second time, but you, you really, re you really don't know. And, you know, trying to evaluate giving birth based on my first time probably isn't accurate because it's going to be different with, with each kid. Um, so there is some anxiety there that's going on. Um, there's some restlessness. Just the baby is restless and I'm restless. <laughs> so just can't find that, that comfortable position. But, you know, you get to the point where you're so uncomfortable with that, there's nothing left to do but give birth. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's some anxiety about what this is going to do to our family dynamic. Um, we have a great little three musketeers trio going on that worries me a little bit but what gets you through the worry uh what gets me through the worry is um seeing Hux now um the first kid you just there are moments when you just thought the day would never end and it was just like the longest thing ever and you're like oh my gosh I'm screwing this kid up or some, something's not right or, you know, like those, those early babies. But, you know, you have this four-year-old who's just a really cool person and um, that's what they become. So I guess that's what gets me through the, the worry is that this dependent, 
little thing, you know, is going to become a cool kid. And it's going to teach you a lot of lessons too, which is, which is really cool as well. So what message do you want to say to your future self (laughs) after the main event? Um, What do I want to say to my future self? That you wanted a family first and not a career slash education slash, you know, like, I want to be able to, to know that my goal in life was to have this family. And if whatever I'm doing is taking me away from that, it's probably not worth doing. Mm. So things need to be readjusted if my priorities shift. It's been surprising to both of us how little we remember about the first time around what are your thoughts on memory and the moment well with my with Huxley I was really mad at my mom and I feel really bad about that because this is such a life-changing event that I had so many questions in those early months of having a newborn baby and I'd ask my mom and she would say I don't remember um but no it's a legitimate natural thing that you don't remember the early stages of babies <laughs> and if we did we wouldn't reproduce <laughs> so I have to um, apologize to my mom for being frustrated with her the first time around because I was just baffled that you can't you know hold on to the memories of your first child But maybe you forget, and it's good to forget because it's not going to be the same. So, you know, this experience will be just as new as the first experience. And so, if you can go in with that mindset, I think that'd be really um, positive because then your expectations aren't set. We just do what what is natural for this little person, and this little person is different than the first one. Yeah. Let's talk about boy versus girl. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, that's a question everyone asks. And what are your thoughts? Does it matter? What how? What goes through your mind when someone asks you if it's a boy or a girl? Um, I do get a little bit sad when when someone will say, oh, it's a boy. And I don't want to feel that. Um, Because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to love this child, whatever it is. But, you know, like we, we said earlier on, my motherliness comes from my relationship with my mom and with my grandma. And there was just this female kinship there. And so, you know, this is planning on it being our last pregnancy um so you know that there's there's that loss there 
if it is gonna be a little boy um, kind of getting upset about it um, so you know I don't want to fool myself that it'll be okay whatever it is there will be a little bit of loss if it's not a little girl um, can you talk a little bit about the being surprised why why twice now we've gone with the surprise um I think you and I live our motto have no expectations and just knowing puts a lot of expectations on who this person already is and you know again that like organic parenting oh, oh it's a boy it's a girl you know things you start to do things you know you start to go to the fluorescent light lit babies are us and give yourself a migraine <laughs> and all the crap that's there because you're starting to prepare and you know you have expectations for this kid already and so by not knowing you know you just kind of have to let it become what it is and you also told me that you really liked knowing what Hux was before I did not so. because it was before, but just that moment when the doctor told me, I will never forget that. Yeah. I mean, there are... So, I want, I want to let you have that, too. <laughs> I think that there are few real surprises in life, and the fact that you can live with a, a baby inside you for nine months and not know this very life-changing thing about it is one of life's biggest surprises. So now just kind of taking a shotgun approach to questions, what is your feeling as a mother about the medical system and the medical component of having a baby in America? Um, I know your feelings <laughs> and your illustrations to such feelings of robots extracting babies. However, my experience with um, having a baby in the hospital was really great. Um, I think nurses go into their profession just like teachers do. Um, I think they want to calm and soothe and support and, you know, I think they're humanitarians in a sense and so it's not necessarily, I, I guess I wouldn't lump them in the medical system. So I guess from a standpoint I liked having support and people around me, which I guess you could have in any situation. I mean, Native Americans, you're, I'm sure like all the women of the tribe were probably, you know, in the birthing hut, you know, just being really soothing and being nurses as well. So, you know, you can get that community in any situation. Um, you don't have to be alone there. Um, but I did have an experience with, you know, I went to the women's clinic for my first um, pregnancy and everything was really sterile and, you know, it, it, I call it the baby factory. Like it just felt like you were there to just turn out another kid and there was, there was no relationships there. Um, and so I sought um, a different doctor who I could feel like I had a connection and a relationship with. Um, so I think that, hmm. I think that's important. 
Like, I don't think our medical system is great, but I think we need to trust in people who have the best intentions for you. So last question, I think. You've been sort of joking because we knew we were going to do this, and you were talking about, let's uncomplicate pregnancy. <laughs> do you have a, you know, one or two ways that pregnancy can be uncomplicated? Um, stay out of stores. <laughs> I, you're, you're going to have everything you need. You don't need to have everything the day of. I think, I think we overly complicate with all of the stuff we think we need for these babies. And really they, they just need you. And that's something you can give. And so, um, I think that's one way to uncomplicate it is to just kind of close the door to, I mean, Going in pregnant into Babies R Us is probably like the worst thing I think any pregnant woman can do for herself. It is, it's just not a space that makes you feel healthy about yourself. I don't know. People could disagree with me, but I just don't like it. It's about presence, not presence. Exactly. There you go. I like that. Um, and then to communicate with people. You know, we were talking about with your husband, you need to communicate like, here's what I'm going through. Like, here's what I'm fearful of. You need to communicate with your friends who also have babies. Like, this isn't working for me. Like, is it working for you, you know? And you need to open up that interaction with other parents and build that community. And I think that really helps to uncomplicate a lot of what goes on in your head because, you know, you can get into a huge cluster if you just are assuming what other people think about you. Um, And, you know, again, you know, like finding the people who will make your pregnancy right, Um, not just allowing the system to choose the people who are going to be a part of this for you, but to actually, like, investigate on someone that you would want a relationship with, such as a doctor or, you know, meeting the nurses or a midwife or a doula or your grandma at your home, you know, like whatever person will make you feel the best you can possibly feel. Thank you everyone so much for listening. It was sure fun to share this personal view of pregnancy and bringing another human into the world. So a big thank you to my wife for not only birthing our second child, but also sharing some of the um, joys and pains thereof. Uh, The music that we used is from Rockabye Baby, lullaby renditions of Pearl Jam. The song was alive and you can find more of that great music Um, at rockabyebabymusic.com. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Until next time.